Hi there, and welcome to Pod Rocket. So today we have an exciting guest with us. We have Simon from Sanity. And hi, Simon. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you for coming. It's morning over here, so I'm refreshed and excited to get into you know what we have to talk about today. Is is Sanity your first big project that you did? Is that um, the first open source and 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 uh, platform driven project that you embarked on? Uh, commercially, yes, but actually, uh, uh, I had an open source motion control system back in the days. That was just open source because that's like it was free hosting on GitHub at the time. That system ended up. Uh, I ended up finding that in almost all kind of uh, uh, DIY grade 3D printers in the world for like a moment. So that was that's huge, really a cool. huge success, but I like benefited absolutely zero from. <laughs> well, you benefited in the spirit, right? It's kind oh, of cool absolutely. That, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Just all right, just sliding that little note in there. Uh, <laughs> well, we're really excited to talk about sanity in particular today. So, I'm. I'm probably going to not get this correct in one little elevator pitch here, but it's, it's a CMS platform that's kind of bringing the bridge between data and what we traditionally understand as content and allowing us to access it and manipulate it in all sorts of ways. And we'll get into a more refined definition about what that means when we uh, give you the stage here. Um, but personally, from my point of view, this is a very exciting piece of technology because I'm coming from the WordPress land where you have everything that's sort of like, all right, you can get it made up for you and you can put in content with a GUI and use it with WordPress. And everybody knows that it's been done and it kind of pigeonholes you into their platform. So seeing this, it's kind of very open. We have a lot of APIs to use and a lot of interesting ways to view data and new query languages, right? Even that we haven't touched on before. So please help uh, the audience understand a little bit more uh, from my definition <laughs> about what sanity <laughs> is and you know what exciting things that you're bringing to the table with your team yeah so so I mean at the at the simplest like use case you can use sanity as just as a very simple kind of content authoring system it has a lot of kind of uh, useful features like real-time collaboration that like teams can write together. It has all of these kind of uh, beautiful uh, authoring tools. The kind of content models are really rich. So you can, any kind of thing you want to be able to show in your front ends, you can model that in Sanity very naturally. So these are like, in a sense, like huge things that are like very hard to pull off, but also like when you squint, they all kind of become just this kind of pleasant backdrop, like kind of just where it makes working with Sanity at its simplest uh, as a kind of replacement for WordPress, very pleasant, very efficient, uh, but also uh, uh, this kind of leads into a lot of other opportunities that kind of making content into some, like uh, making sure content is uh, in a form that can be used in several different designs and platforms and in media, different media is is a very powerful kind of thing uh, and to make sure the people creating the content are still working naturally without like being necessarily aware of that uh, opportunity but then there but then there are a, a number of other uh, kind of things that we felt the need to 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 have when we kind of i mean let's if 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 it's okay with you let me kind of take us back to where 
we felt the need to create Sanity because we didn't actually want to be a startup. We were super happy as this kind of small boutique uh, design agency. Uh, we were... You started uh, as a design agency. Yeah, we've been like, okay. actually, yeah. So we were... We were this. Uh, yeah, let's, let's go back. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Let's like uh, let's like uh, we're back in like 2015, 2014. We have this small group. Uh, we have a, like we had this table in Oslo. Our plan was this is the biggest our company will be. Like we will be and like we can. It's like we can sit around this company. We know we'll know how to run it. And uh, <laughs> and the only way to grow Sounds is to nice. have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very nice. And the only way to grow then is to have more and more like richer and richer clients, I guess. Like you you can't do more work. You just have to do more, more valuable work. It was exciting. We were getting some really, really fascinating customers at this point. Uh, and it was uh, a, a company called the, the OMA, Office of Metropolitan Art. Uh, they contacted us. Uh, this is the agency of Rem Koolhaas, a very famous architect that, and this was like, mind-blowing to myself and my co-founder Evan because we've been like we have all his books like we've been fans of Remkula since we were like discovered him in our, our early 20s so this is like he knows like about our existence like he contacts us he, he's seen some of our stuff in some book and you're like that's incredible of course it wasn't actually him it was one of his partners but like fair enough it was like we we we, we, we got to work for for him and and when we uh, they, they have been working, creating kind of seminal buildings and concepts since the early 80s, late 70s. Uh, this is this is all kind of everything is 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 monumental, beautiful, and there is like our dream for them was to kind of create this as a kind of repository of like it, yes, it's their brand site, it's what like builds and explains their like what OMA means in the world of architecture and uh, and, uh, and the culture at large. But also this is like a repository of, of everything they've done. And then we realized that for, to them, the website was actually mostly important in order to kind of talk to people like us who weren't actually buying very expensive buildings, but just needs to know about them. And then to talk to the actual customers, like they have nation states as customers like Portugal and China. And for them, it was like designing bespoke books so they actually sat every day. So people were sitting, creating, designing specific books for specific clients. And then they had this process where mm, when you ask for a, a kind of an, an offer, like I'm, I'm, let's say we wanted to build a park, like let's say we were running Dubai and we want to build like a park with a bridge and some retail space. And we'd go to these architects and we'd say like, what have you done? That's kind of relevant. That's kind of something like this. And actually, there was a department in the company whose only job was just to remember the history of the company. And you go to them and you'd ask them. And of course, this is very inefficient. <laughs> so we told them, like, we should probably create this repository. It will power the website. It will uh, be the source of these books. And it will have a powerful search tool. So like these people who work on this kind of uh, RFPs, as it's called, they can co focus on the really specific, really hard creative work and the generic, like, give me bridges with retail space. That's like a two second job. So we actually sold this job, uh, priced it, just expecting that, of course, content tools can do this. Like WordPress has evolved, right? Like this is this is all now a thing. Uh, and as we started researching the implementation, we realized that, that nothing could do this. We needed a content system that was 
very intuitive to the content team, to the digital teams, still ended up as a database. Like for the developer perspective, it should be like a proper database. It should be possible to mix data and text. So like your, if you define, let's say, a data type for for a building with a location and a name and a city and these kinds of things, you should be able to use that anywhere in your data also as like a, a part of a running text. So this should be like a very expressive data model. Uh, and then we should be always safe that this model can be represented in any form. So that if you if you create this content, we should be able to create it, like render it into the website, but also in the book, uh, and also as this kind of business development tool. And in a sense, we this, we, we realized that we had to create sanity in anger and disappointment. So the first mm. first version was almost like a defensive thing. Then we kept using this tool. We used it for for MIT. We used it for Diller and Scofidio in New York. And I think I think it was MIT who asked us like this thing you're using. It's actually better than anything we can buy. Like what is it? And then that's when we kind of connected the dots. I'm like, this is we should probably be the people making this system, uh, not the people making these websites. So. That's when we inverted the business model. And uh, it's been a very interesting uh, journey because now we are talking to all these huge, incredibly impressive brands. And they are all struggling with creating these kind of integrated experiences. Like you have you have a history where you have, like you say, like you deploy your, your insular Shopify solution, your WordPress deployment. Like you have separate tools for each touch point for your customers. Very often this ends up being separate teams and like creating a cohesive experience for your customers is very hard. And it, it, this goes regardless if you were like a media company, a retailer, uh, you, you will struggle with this. And, um, and trying to kind of <laughs> integrate these experiences is both about integrating the, of course, the, the, the touch points for the customers. It's about bringing teams together, like giving them a single pane of glass to understand what the kind of what what kind of experiences are we creating for our our, our our audiences, and then of course being able to kind of bring the data together from the various sources. Very often, your content is not only the things you write; it can be your your kind of your 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 merchandise. It can be if you're a retail, like you're a real estate developer, it might be your 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 developments. Like might come from different systems. Bringing all that together in like a some, like we call it the content lake, bringing that together, bringing the teams together, and then kind of integrating that. That's something that I didn't know how hard it was uh, when we started this for people to actually pull off and being then coming to the market with a tool that like really lets companies do that uh, and being in a sense almost alone in that space right now. I feel I feel, I feel that. Our struggle right now is that a lot of companies don't know to expect it. It's like we need to help companies understand that this is actually possible. Like the tools exist now, or maybe it's just us. I don't know. I, I don't want to. That's how, at least how I see it, of course. But it's uh, a lot of companies don't think it's even possible. Don't know to dream about that. So they just uh, we just assume that like yeah, we'll just have a hundred different WordPress deployments and we'll just kind of wrangle it. And, and <laughs> I mean, I feel like you hit a sweet spot at this time in history because we're dawning on a new age of digital literacy where people understand how to use GraphQL, they understand how to use Next.js. So the idea of stepping out of a cookie cutter platform like WordPress and giving you the power saying, listen, you go figure out the tools, what you want to use, that's actually has, you know, the, the, the carbon power to catch on now because people know how to really build these rich interfaces and you don't have to be 
a master's computer science student or somebody who's been grueling away in their basement for years <laughs> to really understand how this stuff works. Um, so that that's probably another great thing you guys have going for you. And and I'd love to touch on like, you know, one of the the key features here, the key like paradigm shifts is that data and content are kind of like fused into one sort of understanding because you're saying well content can be your real estate developments it could be sensor data who knows it's it's all one body of data that we can use to create postings and articles or then go use in another piece of our application right completely separate um what was like one of those difficult challenges because you said i had no idea it was that hard. It's that hard to bring this data together. So what makes what made this so hard that makes me spinning up a Postgres RDS not hard? Yeah, exactly. No, no, I, 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 one of the first things we actually did when we realized we wanted to make something into a company uh, was just talking to various companies about their challenges. I would just walk around like, I wonder why are e-commerce experiences so drab? Like, why are there? You use the word cookie cutter. I use that term a lot when I talk to, about digital experiences. It uh, it is a lot about this feeling of content being just like a data record that you put into a template and then you're kind of done. And then this leads that's to like a, that's how it's done. Like every yeah. <laughs> if it's a, if it's like a a forty thousand dollar bracelet or it's like a one dollar kind of band aid, it looks the same in your store. It has exact same picture, same exact same layout. Same thing goes for if you're like, uh, I was reading uh, New Scientist for a long time on their kind of uh, uh, in their app, and I couldn't really like in their in their digital form. I did not know there was a special issue because the articles always looked exactly the same. And I would look in the paper version on an airport, and I realized, oh, this is like a special issue about like uh, quantum physics. I didn't realize because the layouts didn't carry over. They they don't have the tools to have this kind of expressive control when I'm in the digital domain, which is weird. Like it's where everyone is, right? Like, like we still keep building these kind of uh, beautiful concept stores, but we don't bring that kind of care and attention to the digital space, which is kind of just mind blowing. And then I was asking different companies, like why I was expecting some kind of rational explanation. Like, yeah, we tested it, but people don't care or like it's different. Like the competition is about price and I don't know, delivery, stuff like that. That's what I would expect. What I got was a lot of, it's just very hard. Uh, we are building our own CMS or like how much the sanity we want it. Like these kinds of answers, clearly everyone wants this. It's just too hard with the current set of tools. And, and I think, like you said, a beautiful thing right now. So one thing is, of course, I'd say sanity makes this possible, but you're right. Like one thing is just the competencies coming together. Like uh, this is possible now because like you said, it's easier to build these kind of tailor-made front-ends because the, just the development work is easier. So it's easier for someone who's kind of has a designer mindset to also be a developer because I think th at this point, we need to just bring those things, like those kind of mindsets together. Uh, designs have to be receptive to the content, so they has to have a little bit of logic in them. Um, so this is becoming possible. Uh, I think uh, it seems to me in the research that a lot of the challenges is about almost just bringing the tools together. Like I have my huge kind of hybris or commerce cloud deployment, which is doing the the kind of uh, shopping experience. And then I have all my content that would connect this, like help me understand the products better. 
they are over here and they are separated and and um and, and there is uh, like you said the content like we 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 say there's one thing we we keep saying that content is data i don't know if it uh, resonates uh, with everyone who sh who should understand the concept the point is like you said like i'm um, content is more than what is created and authored by a content team it is in our conception is everything that an organization wants to present to its audience so it might be and, and and the reason you want to bring these things together is because often you want to contextualize things you want to tell the story about your other pieces of data so like let's go with the retail like the real estate developer i'll have all these developments they will be in uh, a different like system uh, where I know about them. I know about their existence. I know about like what's available, the, the, the locations. Maybe I even have architectural drawings. And then, uh, if I can put all of that online and then let people just figure it out. But of course, a uh, much more powerful thing is I'm I'm telling the story about this real estate. This is Hudson Yard. This is like for for a specific kind of real like a specific kind of retail spaces. I'm I'm building a story around this. Uh, and like laying it out. And in order to do that, I need an integration between these kind of data sources and the content teams that are going to put this storytelling together. And let's say one of these things have been rented out for five years. I want this thing to disappear, even though I kind of get all the storytelling around it. Like, thank you, that content has done its work, done its work. But I want this to automatically go down now because that thing is kind of sold. Uh, so these kinds of things um, will for an audience for someone kind of in interested in my in my in my products in my in my in my storytelling in my in having a relationship with my company they will feel the presence like they will feel like we are there like we are as if in a good retail experience as if you're in a good store i'll feel there is a presence of someone helping me this is so often absent from the kind of current kind of product experience and then i'm talking about retail now because that's kind of excites me a lot and it's very easy to see there but this goes for like the new york times experience the, the, the new scientist experience like uh, i'm unsure if they have been able to move that kind of care and attention from the kind of paper-based designs and into the digital space making it a little bit harder to have that relationship with their product. Maybe, could we go over for maybe a use case example? Um, let's say I ran a store, okay? And I was using WordPress and my writer that I hired on the weekends to put out, you know, new things about my products. Um, so what's your products in this, yeah. in, in this fantasy? Like what are we selling? Uh, let's sell board games. Board uh, games, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, there's a standardized type, I guess, there, so we can wrap our heads around, and there's a lot of variability exactly. in between. We, so we have uh, we have this kind of uh, curated store of uh, like uh, lesser known board games. We've like scoured uh, Kickstarter. We have these kind of games that you can't get everywhere. Uh, that's our our store, right? Like we have like if you want to like the like the special uh, special kind of board games, we have it. So so like you said, we have we have our we're probably on Shopify in this example because that's like uh, easy to do. Like we can just upload our images and our so that's kind of like our first version. We'll just kind of grab those images from from our suppliers. We will put them on Shopify. We'll set some prices and some inventory, and then off we go. So this is version one. There is no content, basically just the the product descriptions. So you're yeah, you just hand upload. Yeah, your stringer has kind of just kind of taken copy pasted things from various sources, tried to wrangle them into some similar form of like your tone of voice which will be very generic and okay our story is there so hopefully 
like we we have uh, something unique so people will a certain kind of people like high let's call it highly engaged people will, will find this they will talk about it on reddit uh and on twitter and like they know oh yeah this you know this thing, these games that were only possible to get on kickstarter and they are now sold out you can actually get them there is a place for them. Board game fanatics, they'll be they'll yeah. be coming, right? They will be coming, right? To a certain yeah. extent, right? Uh, but maybe uh, we discovered that board game fanatics they already have these games, at least the ones they want. Uh, so they say like, oh, this is this is grand, and then little happens. So we realized like uh, we need to buy some adwords, and we buy some kind of we maybe we record some Instagram things, we put them on Instagram, like we we buy some eyeballs. So we get some of those like not hyper fans, not like fanatics. Some of them will come in. We'll see our sales increase, but we will now we will do some some kind of informal research. We'll talk to people and we realize they don't. They see it looks exciting, but I feel like is it hard? I don't know. Is it like is it is it, is it suitable for kids? I don't know. Like is it is it will I kind of is it just for like hyper nerds? Is it like Dungeons and Dragons? I remember that. That's kind of like oh, I'm too old for that. So we realized we need to kind of frame this. There is a storytelling job we have to do. And actually, by we also realized that the, the fanatics, uh, or at least the people we do resonate with, they keep forgetting about us because we just have, they see us as just a, a, this repository. We were nothing more to them. So they will still go just Google for the game and yeah, happily find our kind of listing there that we pay for and maybe buy it. But we just keep having to buy that attention over and over again. So. We realized we have, this is where we decide to do the storytelling. So we, we, we set up like, a, uh, we, we set up a bespoke front end. So integrating Shopify and uh, some content. In this example, we were from Sanity. We realized that uh, we, have con we have kind of games in certain groups. They are like, uh, some of them are like uh, casual games that are suitable for kids and families. Some of them are kind of deeper games that take like a week. So what we'll do is we will, we don't have a lot of time, so we'll create these kind of guides. So we'll say like, yeah, this is for the kind of, if you want to go deep, this is the guide. Maybe we can even like personalize it. We'll tell the story about like, uh, this is how, uh, this is how I, this is content marketing, right? Like I'm telling a story and I'll link into these different games in the store. Um, and now I have this kind of way of contextualizing that, 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 that set of games. And then I can in that. So I'll tell you uh, this story about like, uh, as a customer, you'll, you, you'll arrive. And you don't only find a game, you'll be helped to see, oh yeah, this is a game for people who are like looking for this, but actually next to it, it will be like a different 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 guide, like casual games, like pick up and play games. Uh, I'll go there and they will tell me a little bit about those different games. And right now we have created very little content, but we can link it to every, because it's structured content. We can say like, yeah, this is the text. It links to the products. Our front end can discover for every product, like this is the guide that this kind of specific product goes into and I can tell you about the other products that kind of is related to this, but not as a kind of other customers who so looked at this, looked at this thing as well. This, and this that feels kind of absent and mechanical. This is someone, someone took some care and ours collection, we have 107 games, so we have time to contextualize basically 70% of our uh, collection and the rest will kind of just go in as like same category, like uh, casual card games. So we'll be able to put them at the end of our guides. So this is a very simple simple kind of story. We didn't create a lot of content, but we kind of integrated the content experience, the shopping experience. We kind of, and what we discover now is like, oh, people related to our tone of voice. They kind of saw our storytelling. We are building a relationship with an audience. Like they keep coming back and they are not going to Google. They are coming to us. 
and they're expecting more from us. And now we are kind of, oh, we realize we have now a little bit of an audience. You know, we should probably create our own games now. Like maybe, maybe we can take some of these ideas we had and we have like, like 100,000 people are coming to our site every week looking for stuff and we, don't, we are missing certain things. Like the market hasn't provided certain things that we think we would be able to sell. We see we don't have enough casual games. We'll create a number of casual games. Uh, and now we kind of now we are building this kind of community around us, and I think that is something that almost every organization needs. Even if you're just like, like even if you're a government organization doing forms for kind of social services, you want to have a certain kind of relationship with an audience and show that you're present there for them. That is like a, that what you are experiencing is a human connection. It's not just like a mechanical system uh, that leaves everything up to you. Yeah, so I I would love to check in and so and ask. So where we're at right now is we're selling games and we're getting intel on the games. So we're kind of looking at what's happened to what we manually posted at first and making some insights, reorganizing how we present things to the user on our front end interface. And this kind of continuous iteration of going back and saying what you know here's our photos, here's our descriptions, and here's our data from that. Here's the front end that we're going to create. Doing that, so what Sanity is doing is it's unifying that whole iterative process into, you know, a single data lake that, you know, we can call it, right? That allows us to go back and forth easily, not just on, you know, on the design and front end, but but for people who may not be as technical minded and they can interface with that data as well. Would that be fair? Uh, that's absolutely fair. Like that content lake within this, this uh, context, it would integrate content from from the Shopify experience and from the kind of whatever we've come up with as kind of content concepts, uh, being able to then combine them and for someone designing the actual kind of front-end experience can now kind of grab these guides, can grab these uh, products, can kind of mix and match them in ways that seem to engage our audience and connect with people. And then actually we can take all of that content because it's now in a media uh, independent form. We realize like, actually we want when we buy uh, ads for this, we actually have all the assets. We can just script all of that. Like we can, we can basically just take all of that like carefully crafted content and convert it into Instagram ads and Google ads AdWords, and it will have our content. And then, as we, as a like super small content team, sit and look at our empire, we will be able to understand this as one kind of. Even though our customers are seeing us several different places. Maybe or even on Amazon. Maybe we even have like a what, is, what do we call it? Like a Z shop. I don't know. Maybe we're everywhere, and we can run all of this from like one centralized place and understand what we're doing. And our customers will be all over the place, right? So they will. When we don't do this, we will suddenly someone will tell us like you do, you have this weird thing on like this AdWord I found, and we have kind of missed that because we we are not running this as kind of a integrated experience for us. So the experience for our customers kind of start falling apart and. This kind of, you can say it's a small thing, but it kind of, to a customer or to someone that kind of wanting to relate to our product, it kind of is this little crack that shows that we kind of a little bit don't care about them and their particular experience with us. So this is about like showing care and presence uh, and, and kind of that you connect. So I often say like when you invest in a solution like this, the way to frame it in a sense is to feel like we are connecting uh, as someone implementing this, like if I'm a developer working or a designer working on creating an experience like this, uh, I should frame it as like, I'm not creating a consumer experience. And then I like I give my content kind of people some tools to put stuff in there. I should think of this as like, I connect, I'm connecting like a team of humans 
to an audience and I'm, I want these, these people to feel connected. I want the content team to understand what's going on, hopefully surfacing signal from what's going on in our kind of products and then having them be able to create and respond to things that happen in the market, be able to rename products if they kind of realize that that's not working well, be able to kind of respond to pop cultural events, maybe even like in a quick way, in a real way that kind of touches all my touch points. These things, they have been, it's kind of the promise of the, the, the like the digital experience management kind of uh, dream, but because these systems are so, they are so centralized. They are so, like you talked about WordPress, it's, it's, it's it has kind of some of the same properties. It's very easy to set up and, and run as long as you don't need to kind of connect things in, in a more kind of non-trivial way. But almost everyone needs that at this yeah, time. Yeah, right. We need flexibility. That's like yeah. the paramount feature here is flexibility and interoperability between your data and your history of owning and organizing that data. Um, I, I think that's what's really exciting here is like I, as a developer myself, that it excites me because... I can put data in and then repurpose it using paradigms and other tools that are familiar to me. I can go go take that data. I can run analytics on it. Hell, you know, if I wanted to, you, you can really do whatever you want. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for PodRocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts. All right, back to the show. So I, I think I'd love to talk about why that has not been done before like you've said once or twice now like that's hard it's hard to take this data and just throw it in the lake it ain't that simple so why hasn't this done before why is it a, a difficult problem and what you know what's one of those hurdles that your team had to jump over you know that you didn't expect to yeah so one thing uh we 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 did a number of things very or early on that you'd normally do let's say late in in a company's history like we knew that we wanted we wanted Sanity to be um, a, a, like a proper data platform. Like we felt that one of the things that annoyed us with the with like the the headless space was that the, they provided this kind of specific content APIs that kind of put a lot of expectations on how I would to use them. In a sense, to be kind of at least at least back in those days, I would call them like they would be like blog APIs. I would get like a content type. And I will get like a number of them sorted by date or something. They were very limited and very like specific. So I felt like it needs to be, from a developer perspective, that needs to feel like a database. It needs to be doing all the things I want from a database. and needs to be able to kind of connect different pieces of content together for me on the server side. I don't have time to kind of grab all of those pieces. Like I want to show the games. I want to grab the guide. I want to grab the kind of author and creators of those games. I want to grab all of those pieces of data for my kind of main game page. And I will have the server like Sanity fix that for me and then give me exactly what I want to show. And I want to be able to express that. And I want to be able to, to have that kind of repository of content. I want that to be able to sync to everything, like all of my other sources that I also care about. I want to be able to integrate all that content 
for one thing, I want to present it to my audience. I'm like, let's say we have, uh, we are syncing, let's say we have the Kickstarter kind of statuses on games that are coming online. So we want to sync in their kind of Kickstarter kind of uh, current status into our content because that's part of that. Like games that are about to be published. Uh, that's one of our categories. Uh, so we're syncing in that piece of content. But this, this also is about them being able to have that in a place where the teams can 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 leverage that like can cure cure yeah exactly they can curate that content display that it's part of their world it's just not not just something that's been integrated in like a system later i have that as material as a content team and the other thing is that that particular uh place where the content team works because we wanted that to be a real-time collaborative thing like we wanted it to be like let's say google docs for like arbitrarily complex data structures. So we kind of did that very early on, even though that's incredibly hard for this kind of content. Yeah, and that then, must be. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It was really you a, made like Google a Docs for content. <laughs> yeah, for and then like it, these can be graphs of content. Like it's super complex. And you still can do like uh, show me what to, like who did who did what to this document at any given time. Like this person moved a map marker, this person created a new reference. It was incredibly hard. But we felt like this needs to get in early because it has it's going to be just harder and harder. Like we don't need to have that from the start. Uh, then we wanted that uh, um, kind of authoring experience, the place where so of course everyone has a system where you can invest in the end user experience. And like you said, that there is no loads of new, new tools and it's been better than before. But what's often very hard is you want to be able to invest in the content creator's experience as well. You want to create, because, because if it's about creating this connection between a, a kind of group of real humans and their audiences, that needs to be expressive and intuitive for them as well. Uh, and it needs to be integrated. So one thing we did very early on is we, we like our entire studio, like we call the the authoring experience, is an open source. You get all the source code for that, but it's also very pluggable. It's easy to to kind of plug new things in there, and still be able to upgrade in a simple way. So it's like even though you can do anything, it's not like WordPress where you have to basically reinvest everything over again when you when you upgrade. So this is like a a, a plugin platform, but it also lets you integrate this is something we didn't realize at the beginning is important but like, like uh, as a company you will create these different properties like you have our store maybe we have like a specific sub brand somewhere we have different touch points being able to then have this studio bring all of this different sanity studio uh, right yeah yeah J just, bring, just so the viewers can make sure everybody's on the same thank page. you the sanity studio so being yeah. able to bring all of the different properties into the same kind of pane of glass and have the teams be able to see that as like a one hold was incredibly uh, important for us uh, as kind of we realized what we were making. So these things, they kind of unification, the integrated experience for the end user, the integrated data platform, letting you kind of flow data in and flow content out. And then this integration of the teams, being able to have the teams see the same world as the customers and the, or the audiences and having them able to see what the other teams are doing in real time. This is kind of the pieces that needed to come together, which is is very hard to pull off. And if I'm using Sanity Studio, it's um, you know, I, I could go back to the board game example. I could go get those most recent updated Kickstarter coming that are coming games, right? That's 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 in our data lake. That's something that as a creator, I can go in Sanity Studio and say, listen, this is like this is just data in a database that is meaningful to us as telling a story with our customers with content. Let me pull that in and use a GUI to make a post. Let me, exactly. And that, 
that's kick ass. <laughs> Stay updated, right? Like if then the, that game that I just wrote about yesterday now gets funded, that will just be updated in our content lake. And let's say we have a synthetic page that shows like games that were just funded that we will that we are going to stock. They will now automatically go onto there. Even so, there is the level of automation and there is a level of kind of curation and deliberate kind of yeah. So I think that being able to combine those is incredibly powerful and important. So, and on the topic of the live editing, like Insanity Studio, this comes out of the box, right? Like I could be working on our updated games page while my friend is, and we can see our live impending versions about what's being, yes. what's going to be posted on that page. Exactly. Like when, when, and if I'm, I want to go in and add something to your post as you are working on it, uh, you'll see my little face coming in and you'll see that stuff pop up and you'll be able to revert it if you disagree uh, easily. You'll go say, see the log, see Simon added these new games to your guide, revert. Um, uh, and yes, this comes out of the box. And this is maybe something that uh, I'm not uh, talking enough about because the one thing. Even like all of these things are obviously valuable. Like everyone wants these things. The problem, the, the reason you don't Publishers do it is dream. because it's expensive. It's hard, right? So, so the, the 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 big thing here is for these things to be very easy to get started on. So, like sanity is something you can set up in minutes. Uh, setting up like a Shopify connection, we have starters and integrations for that. That's like a ten second affair. Um, so our dream was to have something where, because very often we are driven by tactical needs, like we need to sell more of those speakers and then we need to tell this story. So we just, that, and that we have like three weeks. So our dream was like, we want a system where you can do that. You can move tactically like that, but then later you can kind of stitch this back up. Like as you see, this thing became important. You can kind of fold this into your, like, uh, just say like you, your unified sanity studio because these things compose well. And now you kind of said, now we still, we're back to this single pane of glass. So in a sense, we try to create something that's super easy, super convenient, but then lets you have this strategic investment over time because you can compose them. And of course, this comes also from the headless aspect. This is also like a feature of like Next.js or Gatsby. And this kind of comes with that composability uh, kind of idea. But very often in like a headless, like his classical headless CMS, they are very much like one authoring kind of space one uh one asset like one property like there's like a there's there's no unification there i can't kind of stitch them together easily so that's one thing where i sometimes feel like the kind of headless space is a little bit like putting a json api on wordpress and like that's it sometimes like if i'm going to be a little bit evil but that's how i sometimes feel frustrated when we get compared like when someone calls sanity like a headless cms like a, yeah like it, it is headless Yes, but that's not kind of. It has thing. that feature, just, correct? Yeah, that's just so. Like, obviously, it is headless. Like yeah. everything is headless. If it's like relevant right now, that's just obviously. We didn't even know the word when we created Sandy. It was like, yes, of course, it's about APIs. Yeah, yeah, okay, let's call it headless. I don't care. Yeah, fine. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, we're running. We're running up on time here, but I've I have a lot more that I'd love to touch on about Sandy. We're we're gonna have to like power on through this, but uh. To, <laughs> To I'll quickly shorter, touch on briefly, <laughs> who is Sanity for, right? So, I mean, we're talking about CMS systems here. So, obviously, new sites, e-commerce stores, but it could be so much more. Like, this is a back and forth system for the back end and the front end. 
yeah. head of the house, so to speak. Uh, so it could really be like, how could you, where, where does your mind stretch when yeah. you're building this? Like who, what are some crazy use cases you could think about? Cause even me building my personal website, this would be perfect. This would, exactly. this would be perfect. That was kind of our, our vision. So going back to like, the, like we wanted something that was so, so uh, there's just like what our thinking when we realized we were going to make a content system was like, there's just too many of them. Like there is, there's like a specific CMS that's popular with Nordic newspapers. And it's complicated enough that it's a whole career to learn it. And if you do, then you're making Nordic newspapers, right? If you're doing WordPress, it's like it makes sense you'll be making marketing sites for forever. If you're doing Shopify, you're making shops, of course. Uh, so our thinking was we want something where as a developer, I can invest in this. And it's as good uh, a thing to use for my boy boyfriend's kind of uh, recipe site as it is for like a kind of multi, uh, like a cosmic uh, fast food brand, which is which is like what we have done. Like some of the biggest brands in the world is using Sanity for these incredibly complicated and beautiful experiences, uh, bringing them together. We talked about this integrated experience management, but it's also being used by loads and loads. Like our free plan is very kind of generous. So most people who just want to make like a small blog or something, it will be free. Um, our um, weird use cases, like it's been, it's important to us that it's good for e-commerce and media, like New York Times is using Sanity, also like huge uh, e-commerce brands. It is being used by, uh, by like for, for scientific publishing, like uh, journal, science journals. It's being used for loads and loads, like it's like simple, like personal sites, portfolios, stuff like that. Um, it is being used for a number of like non- what excites me sometimes is like when it's been used for non, like let's say first non-web, like people using Sanity to to serve data into, for example, like syndicating content into DoorDash or Uber Eats. Like they have like their 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 content model, and they will be able to kind of feed that into other other kind of uh, properties. But then even even more fascinating is when it's not even uh, digital. Like there's. Uh, uh, people making books that are just authored in Sanity and then basically converted to the designs via scripts in InDesign. And then you have people doing, there is a company doing a training doll for first aid like responders. And this these, these scripts for this doll is created using Sanity. So it's like not even visual. It's like a, a set of training scripts. So there's all kinds of things that people are doing uh, using Sanity. What if I had a um, Raspberry Pi that was taking the temperature of the different rooms in my house. Yeah. And I want to store that somewhere and write a blog about the my monitoring and what I'm doing. And I could have maybe live graphs or articles yeah. or something. The sanity could help me do that too. Oh, yeah. Really. Like our foosball table at the office in Oslo is, uh, we have like a... It logs every match. It 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 maps the skill level of each player and kind of balances the teams when you join. This is all run on Sanity. We used to have like a brewery that was run on Sanity. I know one of our developers. He run his house house plants using Sanity. He has a Raspberry Pi measuring the kind of uh, humidity levels in the different plants. Yeah. And you can <laughs> this dash dashboard and can kind of uh, water them like with some 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 Sanity magic. Yes, you can connect everything and. Like when, yeah, so so of course the content lake is a real-time data platform and you can use, you can either like grab data as like, I'm reading this to to render a page, but you can also subscribe for data. So you can say like, I want to observe, let's say you're doing your temperatures in your house and you want to 
have a like a real time. I don't know if this makes sense, but let's pretend this is a good idea. So I'll I'll be <laughs> when someone is opening that page, I want that content to to uh, to update. Like I want to see uh, the, then this page can actually just subscribe to those temperatures. And when they change, when your Raspberry Pi kind of writes, it will say, yeah, there's a subscription for this category of temperatures. I'll ship like a patch uh, to the front end about. This Do you page. see Sanity having a footprint at all in the you know in i would call it the the workhorse area of our modern computing space so you know monitoring logging um real-time updates for machines i i know that's kind of different than the content side of 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 the world and could be more real-time and more heavy i wasn't sure if that's at all in the um yeah design no, scope right now. i i'd say like we will we'll say like we say content is data, and we think real time is in a huge part of that. Like being able to connect, like of course, in order to create a real time authoring, we have to create a real time system. But this also goes to like delivering content in real time. I think people will expect in the future that every piece of content that you have on your like browser open, I come back two hours later, I expect it to still be current. Like I don't, I don't, I think it will update as I'm as I am away. So I think that's a huge thing to solve. So in in one sense, like solving for what you're saying is the thing the content space also needs to do. So yes, in that sense, we are very focused on. Uh, we define kind of content as whatever piece of data you want to present to an audience. So that's kind of our, fr our framing. But then within that, I'm seeing like time series data, like uh, like financial sites, or like a, maybe you are covering like uh, an election. Like loads of like real time data streams that you need to kind of curate and tell stories about and and, and distribute in real time to 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 audiences. Scientists. Is really good for this right now, and I think as we move forward, we will be even more fantastic. Like this is things that like non-text, non-image content is a very huge focus for us going forward. And, and that's like a whole new can of worms too, because it's like, well, it's really easy to pipe the data in there, and it's really easy to know what it is in your human brain, but it's one hell of a task to tell the computer, hey. Those 17 billion data points, I would love yeah. to draw a line on that. <laughs> you just summarize that because this person only cares about like 10% of that information right now. Right. But in 10 seconds, he will click on something and he will care about like every like minutia of this because he wonders what happened to his savings right now, like the, the, right this minute because the, the Federal Reserve changed their interest rate. And when, when did it happen, right? And yeah. when did it happen? Everybody needs to know. So... <laughs> um, well, it sound, yeah, so it really sounds like Sanity is, is coming into uh, an interesting position to disrupt pretty much every corner of how I would build a presentation platform for content and data that I might have at an organization. Um, sounds like we could, you know, traditional e-commerce, we could even step into the monitoring and aggregations on data and time series. You said Sanity is good at doing that, or even as a general purpose database. Um, so... I'm after our interview, I'm going to go <laughs> check out your website, see what, see, you know, what I'm going to be charged for <laughs> if I have your cloud <laughs> service, because that, that's something you have to look at, you know, you can't, certain use cases. Um, but as you said, the free plan is very generous. So I guess we should wrap things up because you're going to have to go. And uh, I know Emily and myself are going to have to go. Is there any links or other resources that we should throw down? So we're definitely going to put in the Sanity Dev website uh, so viewers can go uh, find it. So of course there is like uh, the structured content conference that I would really love people uh, to come to. I don't think there is a lot of conferences in, in this space that is focused on 
the thinking around like the content space about like how to work with the content, not specifically technically, but like how should we think about this strategically uh, and how should we use that? And like, of course, how do we actually do that as developers and designers? And I would love for people to come there because I feel our biggest challenge right now, I said it at the top of this show that our biggest challenge is people need to understand the opportunities and learn to expect these things. Like we don't expect to be the only company kind of providing this, of course, this is it has to become a field, right? So hopefully everyone who kind of resonates with that message could come to that conference and help us kind of build that field together. That would be my dream. That's an awesome, that's a very awesome link to close with. So we have the structured uh, data conference. Structured content. Con structured content. Okay, content. Gotcha. Content. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 so, so, so we have the content lake. So it's a play on data lake, and we have the structured content. Uh, uh, so of course, it's data that's structured, but it's content. So we'll definitely include that and the Sandy Dev website. Uh, I've been on their website myself. Fantastic documentation if you want to ah. get started. Yeah, so uh, we could. It's easily navigatable from the Sandy Dev website. So if you're interested, go check that out. And uh, thank you for your time, Simon. It was great talking about structured data and this radical new way to build blogs and websites and everything beyond. So thank you, thank for, you for your time. I love talking about this. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. We'll see you around. Thanks for listening to pod rocket. You can find us at pod rocket pod on Twitter and don't forget to subscribe rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.